0: Welcome to the Seattle Public Library's podcasts of author readings and library events, a series of readings, performances, lectures, and discussions. Library podcasts are brought to you by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation. To learn more about our programs and podcasts, visit our website at www.spl.org. To learn how you can help the Library Foundation support the Seattle Public Library, go to foundation.spl.org. The podcast you are about to hear was recorded in 2010. I want to welcome you all to the Seattle Public Library tonight. Uh, My name is Amy Twido. I'm a program manager here, and I want to thank you all for coming out on this rainy, drizzly, blustery night. Um, We're going to have a really fun evening. I'd like to thank the folks at I Can Has Cheeseburger for the Dick's Burgers and the Garden Burgers. So if you enjoyed one of those, give them a round of applause. <laughs> as you can tell, this is uh, not our usual library event. Uh, we don't usually hand out cheeseburgers at library events. Well, as you can see tonight, we're joined by the university uh, bookstore, and they're selling books right over there. And I want to thank them for joining us tonight. Ben will be signing books if you purchased one or if you brought your own um, after the event. Um, I also want to thank the guys from the the Volunteers from the Humane Society. They were right over here for their display. I imagine we have an audience full of animal lovers here tonight. Um, And now on to our main event. Ben Ha is a former journalist turned dot-com entrepreneur who has a knack for nailing the zeitgeist. He has been credited with bringing internet memes to the mainstream and popularizing internet culture. The success of his business is attributed to his knowledge of memes, viral content, and crowdsourcing. Ben graduated with a degree from Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism. But before we start Ben's program, we have a special surprise presentation today by Greg Green, director of marketing at the Mariners. He's here tonight to present Ben with the first cheeseburger bobblehead. And those will be given out to everyone at the cheeseburger night at the Mariners on June 3rd. So give them both a round of applause.
1: Uh, I'm not really sure how it works that baseball and internet memes go together, but uh, we had 1,200 cheeseburger fans out at our first cheeseburger night last year, and I see one fan with a t-shirt. Um, it was such a big success that uh, we're bringing it back for a second annual cheeseburger night on June 3rd. We can't wait, and the first bobblehead off the production line here, Happy Cat Bobblehead, is here for Ben's Ben's desk. We will have cheeseburger bobbleheads for uh, that's, that's for good. the fans on uh, on June 3rd, and we hope everybody can make it out. It's a it's a $16 ticket. It's normally $20. It includes the bobblehead. We're gonna have a pre-game party with Ben and uh, uh, some other characters. We're, this year we're getting the Lawrence. He'll be there. But um, we Thank we appreciate so it and and thanks for coming out and uh, uh, enjoy the great. enjoy the Happy Cat bobblehead. That's great. This this is great. <laughs> Thank you. Definitely go Mariners. <laughs> So uh, that looks fantastic. I know uh, Greg's worked really hard on this, uh, getting it right. And uh, that's, I, I, that may be the very first time a cat has appeared as a bottlehead form in a yeah. Major League Baseball game. So, well, well, thank you so much for coming here on a, on a Friday, and especially with the weather the way it is. But uh, I very much appreciate all of this. And, um, you know, I'm just going to talk to you about kind of how IconS Cheeseburger started and how we became what we are today. And I think hopefully the journey will be as entertaining to you as it has been for me. So I'm sure you guys are familiar, but the name of the site actually came from this first picture. This cat uh, with a caption that says, I can ask cheeseburger, uh, was the first one that was sent between a boyfriend and a girlfriend in Hawaii. And the boyfriend who received it, his name is Eric, he decided it was so funny he wanted to buy the URL. And he, and he bought it exactly as, it, as it's misspelled. And that was the genesis of I can ask cheeseburger. Uh, people started sending him these photos of cats with misspelled captions on it. And he uh, just started collecting them and putting them on the site. And that was January of 2007, but before that, before that, I don't know if any of you guys remember this poster, right? The hang in there kitty, hang in there baby, right? And that was in the 70s. And actually, before that, there was this cat. It's from 1905, uh, one of our uh, readers founded an antique store in Seattle. So that's, as far as I know, the earliest lolcat. F- but even before that, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's hieroglyphics written in front of the Sphinx. And if you guys haven't realized, Sphinx is a cat. So, But let's go back to January 11, 2007. That's when the site was born. Um, and, and it was just a labor of love. People really enjoyed these photos, and they wanted to share it with other people. This this photo came from, we believe, a forum called Something Awful. Uh, and and the phenomenon of captioning uh, cat photos on the internet actually started elsewhere in a, in a forum called 4chan, which is uh, kind of a not-safe-for-work area. But yeah, but that's where this all genesis started. It was just a creative outlet for people to take um, uh, express human emotion on photos of cats. But but why did this happen? Why all of a sudden are we taking cute photos of cats in little sleeves and saying, this is how we roll, right? Well, what's interesting is that the internet started connecting people. The internet started connecting people who were kind of a little bit off of mainstream, right? Maybe we wouldn't watch a lot of primetime television. Maybe we wouldn't get a lot of love from our parents. Who knows? But the fact of the matter is, we decided that we liked a different brand of humor than what was out there. So these people decided to get online, and they could find it one another. They could find and develop a culture where one didn't need, uh, used to exist. And all this connectivity, all this Internet power, led to us entertaining ourselves. <laughs> so in March of 2007, we generated more than two terabytes of traffic in just two weeks. And in September uh, of 2007, eight months after of Cheeseburger started, um, I raised investment money from a group of angel investors and I purchased the site as well as uh, started the company that is known today as the Cheeseburger Network. And we've obviously expanded well beyond that. Uh, you might have heard of Graph Jam, of course. If there's, a, uh, if there's something to be made fun of, you can find cats or graphs or dogs or God knows what. And we'll make sure that it happens uh, and with your help. And you know, if you want to compare things, yeah, I actually posted, uh, did a presentation with this photo um, a couple weeks after Michael Jackson died. And there was this awkward, uncomfortable laughter. And somebody in the back said, too soon. (laughs) But now it's not. And of course, you can't leave out the dogs. And the whole reason that we're here today is because we're celebrating the launch of our our book, um, I as a Hot Dog, named after the same site. And of course, the dogs get the love just as much as the cats do, but sometimes dogs just don't know it because they just can't seem to understand. And that's the part that we love about our dogs. So maybe some of you guys are wondering what's up with the spelling, right? Where did this come from? Why did people start misspelling these cat captions? And actually, I remember, uh, you know, to explain to people, lol speak, which is the language that we call this, is is a combination of many different things. One is leet. Uh, Leet is actually um, a hacker term. Uh, that replaces letters with numbers that look kind of like it. Um, so that's why you see uh, sometimes the, the addition of numbers and things like that. Um, texting, right? The abbreviations that we use, U for U, like you, like Y O U for you know. Uh, and common misspellings like T E H. Now, what's happening is that as internet culture develops and progresses, uh, people are using these words in slightly different ways. Um, when you say something's the internet or the internet, right? It's uh, it's a uh, It's kind of a grandiose thing. When you call something te internet, you're actually kind of being a little dismissive. And these slight misspellings and slight cultural changes actually have an influence in the way we discuss uh, a language. Um, Kind of like in the Shakespeare's Shakespeare's days, they used English in a very different way than we do today. And one of the beauties of English is that we are able to transform it. And we're able to make something out of nothing and make small, minute changes to the language and allow it to evolve. And LowellSpeak is another example of that. Well, fascinating enough, I was, uh, this was a while back, maybe back in the early 2008. uh, I was at a conference, I was talking to some people and uh, this one person came up to me and said, you know, I I am trying to enjoy your website, but I have a hard time believing that my cat doesn't know how to spell. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of laughed and I thought, you know, that, that's a really interesting question, you know, but I, I responded and I said, I, I would actually would like to believe that it's not that cats don't know how to spell, it's that they just don't care to spell it the same way that we do. And I remember she's like, oh, all right. And she kind of accepted that response and I thought, whew, that was a close one. <laughs> Many of you guys may be also familiar with FailBlog, which is another one of our major sites um, That's that's a classic image. Uh, we added FailBlog to the Cheeseburger Network in April of 08, uh, and now Cheeseburger, uh, I can ask Cheeseburger and FailBlog are two of our largest sites. And in fact, uh, our, our empire keeps growing thanks to your contributions and your traffic and everything that you do. Uh, in fact, we're the number one comedy channel on all of YouTube, uh, we serve up more than a billion video views every year, which makes us one of the largest distributors of video on all of the internet. And this because somebody fell off a bicycle. Right? And somebody took a video and decided to send it in. And if you you aren't familiar with FailBlog, here's here's a few examples. I wonder what the other side of that car is hiding. Um, And here's some of the rest of the burger family. Of course, I have the Hot Dog, Graph Jam, Pundit Kitchen, FailBlog. And these six sites are the ones that we launched immediately after I Can Ask Cheeseburger. So these are our first uh, uh, set of sites that we um, started out with. And today, we have more than 45 websites, and it's, uh, it's growing at a pretty rapid clip. And you know, it, it's amazing how powerful the, the communities are, because they'll send in things like this, a screenshot of a Facebook that says, God, it's so annoying when people keep messaging me. And their friends obviously jump on and keep messaging her to make fun of her and, and have a laugh. And somebody sent us in, and we're like, what do we do with this? Right? Is this, does this go on fail blog? Does this go somewhere else? And we thought, you know, maybe we could build an entirely new website devoted to things that happen on Facebook <laughs> called FailBook. And there you go, a new site was born. And, and that's what we do. We keep listening to our users. You know, what are you sending in? People actually, um, back when we only had two sites I Can Ask Cheeseburger and I Ask Hot Dog, the third largest category of photos that kept on being submitted, other than uh, animals, cats, and dogs, was celebrity photos. They're not cute and cuddly, right? Um, so we actually said, you know, we could either choose to ignore this, right, or we might as well just say, okay, uncle, and build you a celebrity site. And lo and behold, we built a celebrity site, and it's called Rafa Razzi, and it was successful. So what that tells us is there's this huge disparity between the content that we know that's being published today: mass media, television, books, uh, magazines, newspapers. And the world that we live in, which is the vast majority of content that we interact with today on the internet, is from other people, Twitter, Facebook, Google, three of the most influential technology companies out there. And they all deal in the world of publishing, because they make their money through advertising next to content. What do those three companies have in common? They virtually produce absolutely no content of their own. They rely almost exclusively on the users to generate the content in which they display their advertising. Kind of like us. Right? So this is old media, the little blue earth, right? And this is the users, the big giant red dot. And in fact, you know, walking through the library you realize how much content there is in the world in books and in digital media and so on, but if you compare that to the amount of content that we are creating probably on a daily basis as Humanity Online, the emails, the Facebook updates, the Twitter, all the stuff that you create, the, the, the forums that you visit, the comments you leave, leave on blogs, that amount of content we create every day dwarfs what's in this library today. No amount of data storage in the world will be able to contain the amount of content that we will produce. We are not limited by our creativity. We're only limited by the technology at hand. So we deal in this giant sphere of red blob called user-generated content. We deal in what I call micro humor. And what's micro humor? It's the idea that, um, that's one of my favorite photos from from fail by the way. That's the first photo I actually picked myself. If you overanalyze uh, microhumor, it's the idea of an inside joke. It's the idea of a small group of people who understand something that is contextually related to them. In other words, I know that if you tell me a joke about, uh, if if my wife tells me a joke, it's probably only funny to me because it's contextually relevant to the world that I live in. Right? It's an inside joke. And what we're doing is we're creating ever larger circles and communities of people who share an inside joke. The captioning of cat photos is a massive inside joke. So what is micro humor? What is it and what is it not? It's not this newfangled web 2.0 blah, blah, blah stuff they talk about. It's nothing new. It's not even internet meme right? right? Um, it's just the idea that um, it's an intimate way of laughing about something that you share with someone. It just happens so that through the internet, you can laugh intimately about something with a person 1,000 miles away. Right? It's this shared connection that we create through humor that's really important to us. And in fact, all these internet memes that you look at it really are spawns of micro humor because, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Chuck Norris facts, right? Um, behind Chuck Norris's beard is another fist, right? Chuck Norris has counted to infinity twice, right? It's stuff like this. Like, it's really kind of geeky humor. Like, Chuck Norris is was was an actor who never had any part to do with this whatsoever. Other than Sue the guy who created it. So he, you know he's kind of like this unwitting celebrity uh, to which a whole bunch of people devoted their lives into creating jokes about how awesome Chuck Norris is.? Right? Chuck Norris had nothing to do with that whatsoever. But these community people felt that that was a form of humor in which they could use to express themselves. And of course, you can't forget the Rick roll. How many of you know who, what the Rick roll is? All right, so let me explain to you, the Rick roll. Is one of the most juvenile forms of humor on the internet. <laughs> okay? You send somebody a link, they're like, hey, here's uh first quarter is uh, a quarterly statement on finance and earnings, and you click it, and you end up with a video, a music video of Rick Astley singing, I will never give you up, you know. And you're wondering, did I did I click on the wrong link? How did I end up here? And you there's this moment of being dumbfounded as to what is happening, and that that practice of, of practical joking on the internet is called the Rick roll. And I'll tell you about this graph. Rickroll actually started out on 4chan as a, as a joke called duck rolling. And what would happen is you would get a link, and you would click it, and you would be shown a picture of a wooden duck with wheels. I'm not sure why that was funny. But people, some people thought it was funny. And some genius along the line has said, you know what? Forget the duck. I'm going to give you Rick Astley, <laughs> the phenomenon from the 1980s. So it became Rickrolling. And you can see that graph is actually Google's uh, search traffic under the term "rickrolling." Uh, somewhere in February, March of 2007, that genius said we're going to call it rickrolling and link that uh, link to Rick Glassley, and then and called it the rickroll. And all of a sudden, people were googling rolling and going, well, "What just happened to me?" <laughs> right? And it kind of died off a little bit, and then it gained a little bit more traction towards the end of uh, uh, early 2008. And that giant spike is April Fools. Right? April Fool's 2008, YouTube decided to replace all of their links on their homepage <laughs> to this one video of Rick Astley. So, actually, I believe that graph is right after April 1st when all these people went to YouTube and said, What just happened? And what is this Rick Rolling that people are talking about? So they went to Google and decided to look for Rick Rolling. Uh, down below is the media report, that's the, the lower blue graph, discussing Rick Rolling. <laughs> trying to explain to people why that's funny. And if you had to read it, it's probably not funny. So that brings us to kind of what's happening in the world right now is that big media is being slowly eroded away by people like you and me. Because we decide that it's more important for me to spend half an hour on Facebook or Twitter than watching a sitcom. And that, what it does is it, it breaks this monopoly of media companies controlling what is being published today. I'm not saying that these people are actually controlling what we see, because we all have a free choice. But what happens is that they have the money to produce the content they believe is, rightful, uh, uh, is acceptable for us to, to see. And what we are deciding is that it is more important to listen to one another and for each other to filter the content that we see today than to watch the boob tube. So Google, Facebook, Twitter are the companies leading this revolution. And in fact, if you look at the amount of time that's spent on these sites compared to television, you'd be very amazed that we tend to live with a laptop in front of us and with a TV behind it. Right? We, we do this all the time. And it's, it's clearly influential what these companies are doing today. And that is us. We are like these companies, not as big, not as powerful. But we deal in this little narrow world called humor, where we want to make you happy for five minutes a day, and that's where our mission statement came from. is actually from the users who would email us and say, "You know, uh, I have a very stressful job at work, and every day I take a few minutes out and I go to your sites," and and that's where we adopted this mission statement. And and so we also decided that you know if that's what they're saying we, who we are then that's okay. We, we will continue to be that company, and we will continue to expand into more areas that our users want us to be in. And so people started emailing us animated GIFs. And we're like, okay, it's time to build an animated GIF site called Senior GIF. I'm not sure where that name came from, but somebody came up with it and we liked it. So we built this website. And we can continue to do this. We can continue to build little clusters of humor for people to enjoy and and we really don't see kind of an end to this at all actually what's fascinating is that we keep seeing more and more areas in which our users will say you know what hey i actually kind of like this type of humor can you give me something right and we say sure give us content and we'll make you something that that you can laugh at and and that's what we do in the office and and you know we're a local company in seattle and lower queen anne and remarkably there's 40 of us in the company 40 people. We started out in September 2007, just as the recession was starting, and just as the economy was going to hell in a handbasket. And we've been able to create 40 new jobs, and and that's amazing to me because it's all because of the efforts of the people who come to our sites and contribute tiny amounts of content, whether it's a caption or photo or video, um, that we've been able to mass a network of people, a network of websites that reach 15 million people on a monthly basis. And we receive currently 19,000 pieces of content every day. 19,000. When I started this job, it was 500. So, you know, thank you, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy all the fruits of your labor. Thanks. So I'm more than happy to answer any questions. If you guys raise your hand, I, I yes, back there with the redhead. The redhead. Yes, you. You want a flying cat? I don't know if I can throw it that far. Here. Here. Maybe dad can catch it if I can throw it that far. There you go. That's it. If you ask a question, I'm throwing a cat at you guys. Yeah. Over there. How can 40 people look at 19,000 things? Well, you get a cat. Um, 19,000 things, you know, it's amazing. We, uh, we've we actually built an amazing number of tools over time to actually filter these things. So. I think there's actually three people who work um, six hour shifts who actually screen all the photos that come in. And then that gets filtered out to the different sites. And there's a moderator, an editor, who actually looks at what comes into each one of the sites and with 45 sites. And I think the math seems to add up. But yeah, it's a lot of work. But you know, looking at funny photos all day is not, bad, not a bad job whatsoever. Yes, I'm going to start with the back. Yes, you in the red. I did, I, the question is, how did I come up with the idea for for a ceiling kit? Okay, I'm going to trust you guys to pass this back to her, okay? There you go. Can you pass it to her? Thank you. Um, I didn't come up with them, actually. They, they, random people on the internet came up with, with the idea, and somebody else thought that was funny, and they ran with it. And then somebody else contributed, and none of these people knew each other, right? The idea was, that photo is so funny, you know, I will play along with a joke. And you know, just kind of like how you come up with jokes on a playground, I'm sure you share it with your friends, and it becomes a thing. And Ceiling Camp became a thing. That simple. Yes. How much international traffic do I have? Uh, We get about 40% international traffic. To give you an idea, the internet traffic in the world right now is 50 50. 50% United States, 50% of the world. So we tend to be, you know, obviously English centric, so we tend to have a little bit more US people. But it's, you know, US, then Canada, then the UK, and then I think like Australia, Germany. We we had an interesting phenomenon where, um, GraphChem started getting all these Polish submissions. <laughs> apparently, a, web, a large website in Poland was um, doing a contest on creating graphs and creating graphic humor. And and then um, they told them to use our website to build it. So we were sitting there going, this is Polish. We can't use any of this. So, yeah. Yes, uh, Alabama. Yeah, this is actually funny. Uh, what's a website that we, just, we decided not to do? Uh, I'm sorry for the people with the little kids in the audience. but. Um, this was in a Wired. I talked about this in a Wired article in February, where um, somebody said, "You know, we get we get all these pictures of dogs humping things." <laughs> we're like, "Okay, that's probably not not something we're gonna do." So, yeah. All right, uh, you and the hat. How's it? Uh, well, how's it that what we are doing makes a livelihood for 40 people? Well, for every cat photo you send via email, we get a penny. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, we actually generate most of our revenue through advertising, uh, and then through sales of merchandise, T-shirts, books, uh, licensing our content. Um, but it's kind of interesting because th- we're seeing that our, you know, selling of shirts and things like that is growing much faster than advertising. But yeah, it's mostly ads. Yes, uh, scarf lady, uh, do do our staff? Does our staff read all the comments? And the answer is actually no. We don't read every single one, but we get pretty darn close. Um, to reading almost all of it. And, and most of the times, what we do is we actually look at what's been flagged. You know, what are people saying may be offensive or what keywords are contained. And you know, our, our goal is uh, twofold. One, keep out spam. Right? Spam is a scourge of the internet. Uh, and secondarily, make sure there's nothing really too trolly going on. In other words, I don't want unnecessary drama. Yeah, uh, down here. How are we going to make any more websites? Uh, I believe I'm making one right now. Um, we actually have the ability to launch one new website a week. And we will basically try and test out things. And if it doesn't work, we'll, we'll get rid of it. But yeah, we will absolutely continue to make more websites. I believe, yeah, Senior Geef, S C N O R GIF. Uh, the animated uh, GIF site is our latest one. So, okay, uh, right there with a the striped shirt, yes. How do we get the idea for the website English Funny? I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm Asian. <laughs> I grew up in Asia, and I'm very familiar with the term English to describe this hodgepodge of bad English that's kind of has an Asian linguistical bent to it. It's not my fault. Certainly not. I have a degree in journalism. Of course it's not my fault. But yeah, I just found it funny, and I thought, you know, sometimes we take things too seriously when it comes to things of ethnicity and race. And I thought, you know, um, there was was already a website that was doing it. There's actually many websites that were doing it, and we thought, you know, we might want to turn this over to the users, create a a place where other people decided what was going to be on the homepage, which is how our system works. And I thought that was a much better way. So here you go. Somebody will have to pass it to them. Yeah, way to to reach out and grab that cat. Uh, Yes, Lady in the Red. Yeah, when did we realize that this was going to be very popular and successful? Um, it wasn't like a light bulb that went off. Um, you know, First thing I realized after we bought the site um, was that I was sitting at home in my pajamas on a laptop, right? I no longer had to go to an office and I thought, wow, this is fantastic. I can sit in my living room and run this website and then I realized I wasn't sleeping and then I recruited my wife. <laughs> recruited my wife to help us run the site and she was working for the site for free and I thought wow god this is a lot of work and but it's kind of like it's very gradual It, it happens over a long period of time and it wasn't until I think the biggest moment that hit me was um, about six, or 6 months or 9 months ago, we had an all-hands meeting. We, we flew in the staff that live elsewhere in the country. Uh, we actually have an employee that lives in Europe. They flew into Seattle and we had an all-hands meeting where everybody in the company was gathered in one room. And I remember just going up to the front and I turned around and we have small offices where there's a lot of people in there, so when they all came out, we saw this massive group of people and I thought, oh my God, I'm responsible for all their livelihood. <laughs> And that's when we realized we'd, we'd kind of made it. All right, so I'm going to pick uh, you, sir, with the black jacket. Yes. Sure. So uh, transition from old media to new media to old media. right? So we are an internet company. We deal almost exclusively on the internet. Uh, and we publish books to make living. That kind of seems odd, right? Well, you'd be very interested to find out that most bands, when they get started, sell not enough records to make uh, a living. They don't sell enough CDs to actually make a living. How they do actually make a living is selling shirts. Isn't that odd, right? Like you love our music, buy our shirts, right? Because you can get all the MP3s online for free. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of like a similar phenomenon where you know what people love right now the internet doesn't help you really sustain as a business or as a lifestyle just quite yet and I'm sure it's gonna change um, but if you look at online advertising it continues to erode away at the rest of the market and and at that some point it'll happen but right now we kinda have to be a little scrappy so yeah All right, young lady in the green yes we get 19,000 submissions in one day meaning if you send us a piece of text Uh, if you send us a video that counts as part of the 19,000. Of the 19,000, how many are actual photos? 17,000 of the 19,000 are photos. So 17,000, that's a lot older than me, 17,000 photos a day. There you go. How realistic is it for any individual person to monetize their own blog? Uh, So I use a little handy rule of thumb which is that if you are running a generalist website, meaning like ours, we appeal to a very large and broad group of people, as you can see here in this room, uh, then you will have to generate roughly half a million pages a day to pay for one person's salary. Yeah, 500,000 page views every day in order to generate one person's salary uh, and, and, and just on the ad revenue alone. Yeah, uh, that, that's a, Half a million pages a day is a standard that most websites cannot hit. Uh, but if you go into a specialized area, let's say you talk about medical science, you tend to actually be able to make a living on a much smaller size. But that number is constantly shrinking because there's more ad dollars moving to the Internet. Yes, sir, way in the back. Thank you. Yeah, so it's failbooking.com became Failbook. And it's a very interesting story because we, we kind of had a little legal tiff with a guy in Mexico who owned failbook.com, and there all this finger-pointing and, and yelling and screaming over the Internet um, as to why. And we ended up buying the domain from the guy, and everybody kind of ended up happy. So uh, we ended up getting Failbook. And you know it's been a remarkable success. Um, it is now, I think, our fourth largest website. And of course, Facebook keeps growing, which means there's constantly material to put on Failbook. <laughs> Thank you. All right, yes, you in the black. My background and how we evaluate our staff's performance. My background is uh, I was born in Korea. So I, English is not my native language, and then I lived in China, and then I lived in California, in high sc- and I went to high school in California, which was a big, big culture shock, um, and then I went to journalism school to write in English. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why that happened, but I really loved publishing and I lived, loved journalism. I loved the idea of being able to communicate with people and curating and editing, all those things. And, and when I was in school, I was so in love with journalism that I spent too much time working for the college newspaper and I didn't go to class and I don't have a Asian GPA. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, you know, I ended up just actually slacking off a lot. I ended up uh, spending a lot of time on the internet actually, because when I was in school uh, in, in 95 to 99, um, that's when broadband access was not really readily available. So our, our university was one of the few places where you could get really fast internet. And you were almost afraid you were going to run out of the internet. You're like, whoa, am I done? Is this the end? Right? You're like, everything loaded like that. And you, you're like, why is everybody complaining about things loading too slowly? Click, ha. Right? I mean, we were sharing MP3 files, uh, not legally, of course you know, over the file sharing system at our school in 1996. Um, so, that was my background and I really f- fell in love with the idea of the internet that, that you could reproduce things at the click of a button, that you could transform somebody's life through messages instead of physical things and and it really was fascinating to me so I left journalism actually went to go work for dot com when I graduated. So the second part of your question which is how do we measure the performance of our employees um, you know there's a lot of different metrics that we use. We do not pay based on individual performance. Meaning that all the people who work on our websites as editors actually have to make sure that the entire ecosystem increases in size, not just specific websites. There's, there's an idea that um, we are part of a network, not that you know, if Failbook grows that somebody gets a bonus. It's that everybody works together to make sure that the entire ecosystem continues to grow. Do we ever consider proposals for types of sites for third parties? Um, we get it all the time. Um, and, and then what I tell people is, uh, you know, I kind of give them this disclaimer. It's like, guess what? You know, chances are we keep a rolling list of about two to 300 ideas. And, you know, don't be surprised if you find this, us doing this next week because before you tell me anything, you may, like, we've got ideas as well. Um, and, and actually, it's funny. People try to sell us domain names, you know, all the time. And this interesting phenomenon has happened, which is some people give us, just give us domain names. I just never expected this to happen. And you think about the generosity of people and kind of, kind of how strangely it works is that um, we, this, per, this company of 40 people and profitable and growing, are receiving donations of domain names because they just think we could do something with it that they could not. And that's really amazing. So there you go. Way in the back. Yeah, actually, this is a this is a global problem. The the idea of one company owning a method of uh, transporting data, right? In in this case, Flash, Adobe owning a method of data video. Um, what's happening is there's a new standard, technology standard called HTML5, and HTML5 promises that you uh, will no longer need a plug-in in order to play video. So when your BlackBerry browser upgrades to HTML5 compatibility, we will be there to show you that video without having to use Flash. That's the goal. Um, Yeah, so the the follow-up question, um, is that why iPad, is that why um, basically Apple doesn't care that it doesn't support Flash? Well, Apple has a very interesting uh, profit motive, which is that if they allow people to view videos in Flash on Apple products, then you won't buy it from the Apple store, right? So it's kind of a bit of a conflict of interest. Yes, sir. What is the best web browser to use? Um, Anything that supports web standards. So we, we believe in open standards. We believe that if you are going to play the internet game, that you shouldn't make us do funky things to work with your browser. So we use you know, Firefox. We internally mostly use Firefox and Chrome. And that's what we like to use. Uh, yes, ma'am. Do we, uh, do we end up speaking in LowellSpeak? We absolutely, positively do. <laughs> We've actually, in fact, sent out investor emails saying, hi, here's the company update. Oh, hi. We are doing goods. All right, last question, folks. Last cat. All right, back there. Okay. What do we see ourselves in five years? Um, What's our goal? Well, our goal is to make more people happy for five minutes a day. It's really very simple. It's very linear. There's plenty of people left for us to make happy, apparently. So... (laughs) We just want to continue to do that, right? I mean, we we reached about 15 million people now. And if we reach you know, 80 million in five years, I'll be pretty happy about that. Um, how are we going to do that? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like, are we going to have 1,000 websites? Probably not. But then again, in 1998, I went on stage and on a conference and said, there's no way we're going to have more than 10 websites, because it's just too hard. And here we are with 45. So yeah, I don't know. So yeah. No, all right, you, sir. <laughs> It's a great last question to end this. What is it about humanity that makes us so interested in the failure of others? And cats, two completely separate explanations. I'll give you one uh, each. Failure. It's something that we do very frequently. And uh, we just recently went through a new header on FailBlog, and the designer, don't by the way, don't let your designers create copy for your websites. Um, came up with a tagline, which I thought was actually pretty darn good, which is uh, failblock, uh, making you feel better about yourself every day. <laughs> right? It, there's something about failure that we can connect with. There's there's a kind of a sense of schadenfreude, like t- uh, you know, taking pleasure in the misery of others, but there's something even more light-hearted about that, about uh, failures on the internet. Um, you know, that's kind of the darker side of us, I guess. And then on cats, the cats. Uh, the animal of the internet, the de facto animal of the web. There are more cats in the United States than there are dogs, but you don't see people walking cats. So you don't really think about cats very much. But people love their cats. There, there, there tends to be more people with multiple cats in their house than there are multiple dogs in their house. right? Um, cats tend to be solitary animals, but we tend to get more of them anyway. right? Collect them all. They're like Pokemons. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, and and, and what's interesting is that, um, you know, I've done a lot of thinking about this, as you can tell. Cats will ignore the camera in most cases, so you tend to take very much more candid photos of cats. You see them in a, like, you you take a camera to a dog, they're like, right? Like, hey, is that food? Um, Whereas cats, they don't. So you tend to get very candid shots of cats. And then their faces, they tend to be very emotive, right? They tend to make faces at you. The mm, or the eh, you know, they, they tend to make all these faces where the dogs are like, right? <laughs> so it's a great, you know, the bottom line is cats are an excellent canvas for the human emotion. And what we do is we tend to paint our emotions and our feelings onto our pets. And cats just tend to be a very good one. So thank you. This
0: podcast was presented by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation and made possible by your contributions to the Seattle Public Library Foundation. Thanks for listening.